Hi, I'm Hal Linden, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 175 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week is our 175th show of On Screen and Beyond. We have a... uh, Long run here, and uh, we have a lot more guests coming your way, so I hope you're going to be sticking around for that, and we have a great one coming your way. We have Hal Linden, Barney Miller, that's right, and he's not just Barney Miller, he's got a lot of things he's done in his career, and he's also a singer and a musician, and he's going to talk about all those things, and it's going to be coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And if you are on Facebook, why don't you go over there and like us if you want to get to us. Uh, of course, just go to On Screen and Beyond at Facebook. and uh, Or you can go to our website, onscreenandbeyond.com. Scroll down to the bottom. We have a link right there. You can get right to it. You can like us and uh, leave a message there if you'd like or whatever. And let's see, what else? Uh, that's about it for right now. We get a lot of interesting news in the uh, DVD and movie releases and things like that coming up. So let's get right into it. We're going to go into Remake Madness coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, there are two Snow Whites coming out soon. And uh, it looks like there's going to be a third because Disney is working on its own live action adaptation of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And theirs is going to be called... The Order of the Seven. All right, so we'll keep our eye out for that one. Hasbro is continuing the Clue movie after it was dropped by Universal. And after all, it's uh, their property, so it looks like they're going to continue that, even if Universal's not going to do it. And Stephen King's Pet Cemetery is slated for a remake. That's it for Remake Madness. Next, upcoming movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming movies, it looks like Ron Howard will direct Rush, set for a 2013 release. It's a biopic about Formula One champion driver Nicky Lotta and will star Chris Hemsworth. Heather Graham and Chris Christopherson will star in Shoe Dog in 2012. It's a film about a drifter who returns to his hometown of Washington, D.C. and becomes a driver for a robbery. And it looks like director David O. Russell will head the Silver Linings Playbook in 2013. That's it. And coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. Sequel City, well, a sequel to Conan the Barbarian has been written, and they are in hopes that it will be made after the remake is out in theaters, and they're hoping that that'll do well, and then they'll make that sequel. So we'll see what happens. And a sequel to the reboot of Spider-Man, now called The Amazing Spider-Man 2, is already settled for a release date of May 2014. And Green Lantern is headed for a darker version in the Green Lantern 2. That's it for Sequel City. Next, TV on DVD. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD. Well, word is out that the Monkeys Season 1 and Season 2 will come on DVD on September 27th. And on November 8th, look for the Mr. Magoo on TV collection. And it's a set of 11 discs. And on October 18th, also in the complete series sets, it looks like um, you can check out The Little House on the Prairie, the complete nine-set series, okay? And that's coming on DVD on October 18th. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen to Be On, Movies on DVD. Movies coming your way on DVD. Well, The Change Up with Ryan Reynolds and uh, Jason Bateman out in theaters right now, has a December release slated on DVD, and you can look for Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson to arrive on DVD in December, and also you can look for The Smurfs to land on DVD in December. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Hal Linden. That's right, Barney Miller, he, and so many other things. He's going to talk about all those, how he began and all that stuff, and also his new CD that's out. And it's never too late. That's what it's called, and he's going to talk about that. It's a great CD. And uh, it's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an Emmy, Tony, and Golden Globe award-winning actor who for years made us laugh on TV each week as Barney Miller. He has performed on Broadway, and he has a wonderful CD out called It's Never Too Late. It's Hal Linden. Hal, it's such a great honor to have you on On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. No Oscar. <laughs> but that's okay. There's still There's time. There's still time. It's never too late. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Never, <laughs> never too late. Never now, too late. That's the name of your CD. Yeah. Is that how you came about, that it was never too late to put the CD out? No. <laughs> um, actually, the CD is a, uh, a product of pure procrastination. I started working on, well, attempting to put together some kind of uh, recording over 30 years ago mm -hmm. and over the 30 years we tried we had different tries uh, which received virtually no interest from the recording com community uh, and not uh, not un understandably um, the music that I do is really from my era not from today's era and as time went on I got more and more irrelevant musically let's put it that way and so uh, it became just a personal, uh, well, let's try this, let's try that. And uh, eventually someone said to me, for God's sake, finish the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last year we put a, did a few more tracks for the small group and uh, put it together. Uh, and one of the songs I found was 
uh, a song called Late in Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, very meaningful to me, you know, when you're that age, yeah. to start doing something like a recording. Uh, and the lyric from Late in Life is, it's never too late in life. And that became more or less the theme of the uh, of the piece, that it's never too late to, to do what you want to do. Yeah. Or what you put off doing all these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that became the title tune. Yeah. Now, in the CD, it's really a wide range of yes. music. You go from... That's not- because... <laughs> It was never conceived as a single ah. <laughs> entity. It was a, uh, the first attempt uh, was oh, 25 years ago, I think. 30 years uh, was. Uh, you have to understand. I come from the big band era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a musician and a singer with big bands. I played with uh, Bobby Sherwood. Uh, Ray McKinley, I'm mentioning names, I'm sure everybody remembers. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> oh, you know him, okay. Uh, the point being, that was my background. Mm-hmm. And and one of the reasons, actually, I became an actor, because the big band era folded, and we all of a sudden had rock and roll, which just did not interest me, specifically in its early years. Mm-hmm. It was uh, crude and, and unmusical, let's put it that way. Yeah. And uh, and I rejected it and went uh, into the theater, and uh-huh. that really started my career. So I'm a product of rock and roll when you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any case, the point is, somewhere in the '80s, I decided, possibly at the height of my uh, celebrity, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, maybe I could take advantage of it and start. A big band and maybe bring back the big band era mm-hmm. and so four of the cuts on the side on the on the album uh, were attempts to do just that and the idea was to do not retro songs not the old songs but new songs mm-hmm. or songs of the day let's put it that way right yeah in the style of the big band and I I contacted one of the best big band arrangers around, a man named Bob Florence, who has uh, quite a history of his own. And I said, Bob, here we go. Give me a band that would be led by a clarinet player, singer, uh, doing today's songs. So um, we did um, She's Out of My Life. Right. A, yeah. a, a Michael Jackson cover at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did... Uh, She's Got Away, Billy Joel, too. Uh, we also did one big band jazz number just to show off my clarinet playing. And uh, I don't recall the fourth song. But the point was, that was that whole session, which, as I say, was greeted with ennui by the uh, <laughs> recording community. Mm-hmm. So it went into my drawer, and another decade went by. And uh, some friends in New York, we talked about, maybe we'll try again. Let's try a... Uh, studio sound with uh, studio sounds, a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, uh, a, di- a different sound, certainly. Mm-hmm. And we did four tunes there. We, and uh, I thought really wonderful stuff. I had terrific musicians in New York, great. Again, 
you know, greeted with blank stares by uh, by the record industry, and uh, so I kind of put it in my uh, back in my drawer. And it wasn't until last year that I finally finished it and put it together. Uh, I dare say the record industry is still ignoring it, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I did it for me. Well, and, and the thing is, though. Now things have gone away from the record industry yes, where you can start doing it on your own, and there is we an audience. are. It's available on hallinden.net. Right. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do is we're going to put a link right on our webpage so when people are there, they can just click on it, and it'll take them right to your website. There you go. And There's going to be another um, uh, product on the website. Uh, it might even be there uh, right now. Uh, we... Uh, uh, filmed one of my concerts, which has absolutely none of the songs <laughs> from the CD. Really? Yes. But, well, the concerts that I do are more like mini musicals, I would say. There's a theme, you talk about something, and it carries right through. Yeah. Uh, um, so it, it, none of the numbers fit. Uh, I've been doing this for many, many, many years. Uh, again, for a uh, niche audience, uh, we don't play the big uh, <laughs> uh, the big arenas. We play smaller uh, venues. Mm -hmm. But um, a loyal audience over the last what forty forty years. Yeah. Now, um, how did you pick the songs that you? have on the, the CD, like you, you have uh, um, You Light Up My Life. Well, You Light Up My Life, uh, uh, that was one of the uh, um, um, New York uh, session tunes, and I always thought of, the minute I heard the song, well, first of all, I was the one who, who did it at the Golden Globes, when it won the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. yep. I was picked to, to do it. And when we uh, were working on it, it occurred to me that this is a gospel tune, not a romantic song. And that's what we did on the record, replete with organ and three girl singers, everything but tambourines. I think there's even a tambourine on it. Really? Yeah. Um, it was intended to be done as a gospel song. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess most of the stuff that we did was based on, you know, pick a tune that you that, that you like and, and what's the concept for it. It's not, not just to do the song, but to, to have a concept for it. Mm -hmm. um, we did uh, Moon River. Moon River, as, yes, classic. As a totally country song, mm -hmm. replete, again, with uh, sliding guitar, you know, and harmonicas. And, uh, and to give it that full treatment, you know. Yeah. Now, were you involved with the arrangements themselves? Only in the concept of it. The concept, I didn't yeah. actually write them. Mm -hmm. But the yeah. concept of the uh, of Boone River and uh, You Light Up My Life was mine. The, uh, the idea of doing it as a... Uh, mm -hmm. um, one of the other tunes that we did was Hello, Dolly. Yes. And the idea... Uh, I do, um, in my act, uh, Mac the Knife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a, a, which we do it as a kind of a oh how do we say this? A, it's a build. Starts out small, and you add and add and add, mm -hmm. and you're finally swinging away at the end. 
And we wanted to do that with Hello Dolly. We had the concept of how to do that. And, uh, but there was only one lyric to Hello Dolly. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to keep repeating the same lyric. So uh, uh, I, I ran into Jerry Herman, who was an old friend from the beginning days of both of us in, on Broadway. And I told him my problem. Well, Jerry sent me two more, two more choruses of lyrics. Now, I don't know whether these were out of his trunk or he sat down and wrote them. I don't know. I yes. never did know. Hmm. Uh, but uh, that was the... You'll hear that on Hello Dolly, uh, that there are three sets of lyrics. So that every, every tune had a, um, a concept to it. Um, Mississippi Mud was a, is an actual, absolute homage to Louis Prima. Do you remember the Louis Prima? Louis Prima, yes. Band with with the honking saxophone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was that's the whole, that was the whole idea of the Mississippi Mud medley. Yeah. Uh, with Mississippi Mud, uh, Lazy River medley, uh, to get the saxophone player to, to, to you know, to, to really, it's almost a duet between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So every, every tune had a musical concept that we wanted to um, one one of the cuts you had um you mentioned earlier was she's out of my life and when i heard that it it's it's such a haunting song the way yeah. you it was arranged with the, the the music before you start singing and everything it's just that's that's bob florence yeah what a that's a great <laughs> arrangement oh yeah he was well, he was one of the, he was big band arranger mm-hmm. the well, certainly a West Coast big band arranger of his time. Yeah, I don't think Bob is with us any longer. Ah, uh, yeah. And and one of the other songs on there was uh, "Meet Me at Jack's Place." Now, I understand. Well, that's a song. That's Andrew. That's a song I wrote. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was <laughs> this whole <laughs> CD is a a compendium of the failures of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I did a show called Jack's Place. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And it was just, it was about a big band leader who uh, retires for, after the big band era and opens a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a restaurant. A restaurant, and yeah. These are the kind of, and it was kind of a land-bound love boat, you know, stories that came into the restaurant that he was involved in a bit. Uh, it was a nice, nice show, good show. Yeah. Um, but I thought about it, and I said, hmm, big band leader. Maybe we could do a, a, a theme song that has a big band sound. Get the, you know, get a, maybe actually physically play it as the big band and freeze frame it. It's now a picture on the wall, that kind of thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, So I sat down and wrote uh, Meet Me at Jack's. Uh, I wrote the... Uh, and... Um, <laughs> As with all my other, <laughs> the other musical attempts, it was soundly ignored, <laughs> and they wrote some kind of I don't know guitar-laden theme song, and that was they ignored mine. Yeah, I think I think that would have been a better better uh, theme song, though. Actually, well, the, I don't know if we could have done the whole thing. I didn't. I I never worked it out totally, but the idea of using a big band sound theme song for a restaurant owned by a next big band leader mm-hmm. is what I thought 
that helped the uh, the, the, the narrative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> you and I agree. You and I agree. <laughs> but uh, the, the the studios aren't always. <laughs> no, that's uh, you know what can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now that you finally got it out, the, yes. the CD, is it like a relief that you've done it? And are you going to think about doing more? Or I don't have another thirty years. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't know you. I didn't mean you were going to take another thirty years. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know. I wish I, you another thirty years. But I've reached, uh, you know, a milestone in my life. I'm, you know, now aged. Uh, I don't know if I'd have the. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe if Can't I get, tell, huh? if I get another, you know, brainstorm about what I want to do and. Yeah. But I, I still, you know, the point is, I still do my concerts live. I right. still do live yeah. concerts, and uh, I still perform as an actor. I just opened uh, Saturday night in on Golden Pond at the Colony Theater in Burbank, mm-hmm. and we'll be there until uh, August twenty eighth, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that took a couple of months out of my life in terms of preparation. So, uh, imagine, yeah. honestly, I'm just looking for things to keep me busy. Yeah. Well, how do you, how is it being back on stage like that? Uh, every time, I, nowadays, every time I start a, uh, well, first of all, it's like home. I got to tell you that. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's the thing that got me into theater in the first place. And I don't know why. And uh, go get a psychiatrist to tell you. <laughs> what it is that I find there, but uh, from the first day I ever set foot on the stage, which was while I was in the Army, I never, I was never an actor as a kid in school. Really? I yeah. never was in the drama club. I never, uh, right through college, I graduated college, never set foot on the stage as oh. an actor. It was in the Army that I started doing soldier shows. And the, the first sketch that we did, they gave me a, a part. They said, you're playing the father. You, here it is. You, 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 you three, four lines or whatever it was. And, I, and I, I'll never forget, I walked on stage, said my first line, got a big laugh, and all of a sudden I was home. It was, that was where I was most comfortable, was what? being out there, being somebody else, I guess. <laughs> when, when you say theater, theater is, that's where I go, where I'm really at home. Yeah, but what made you make that first attempt while you were in the service? Uh, you know, did they order you to, <laughs> to do it? Or? You know, <laughs> the terrible part, of, I'm a, I sound like a real unmotivated person, don't I, the way. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is I never had the first interest in it. Uh, I was stationed in, while I was in the Army in a, in a band, a, a post-band, playing my clarinet. Mm-hmm. And that's what I expected to do when I got out of service. Um, in, in the Army, I played the dances Saturday night at the service club or the officers club, you know, with a piano player who was in the band. And this piano player, who had been there before me, used to get in, uh, invited by uh, or uh, requisitioned by special services every time they needed somebody to play for a show that they were putting on. So it was t- time. They called him again to do a show. And by this time, he knew all the I was always a singer. He knew all the songs I sang, you know. And he said, listen, you want to do a song in the show? I'll t- have them requisition you, you too. 
And that's exactly what he did. He, you know, he told them, and they requisitioned me. I sang the song in the show. But they also gave me that sketch to do, mm-hmm. where I got my laugh the first time I walked on the stage. And that started it. I used my GI Bill to go to acting school and dancing school and, and hmm. learn how to do everything. Yeah. And pretty soon I, I put the horn down and was now an actor. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Do you still enjoy playing the, the yeah, I still do. clarinet? Yeah. I do. I'm the mem- a member of the Desert Cities Jazz Band. Mm-hmm which also has a CD on the market somewhere, I don't know how, yeah. <laughs> uh, with some terrific musicians. I have a, a home in the desert, in uh, La Quinta, and these are older musicians who have kind of, I guess, retired or semi-retired down there, or well, they're still working locally. Uh, and uh, we put together Desert City's Jazz Band, and a really good, good, good musicians yeah. I kind of um, by now I'm the hanger on you know I, I, I hold on for dear life and, <laughs> now do uh, they travel with you when you do your other shows no 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 no, no. no those shows are done uh, no they're pretty much I, I carry a conductor sometimes uh-huh. a drummer uh, and pick up the musicians locally uh-huh. and if somebody wanted to find out where you were playing and when you were playing howlinden.net um, Right on your website, great. Right on the website, there's a performance. All my performances are listed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, I think they're already listed in 2013. Wow. <laughs> I hope I survive. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, boy, that, that. Now, so is it a thrill still when you get on stage like that yeah. to, to oh. sing? Oh, I must have, I don't know. Yeah, it must be something about the character that we, you need to to be out there and have people applaud at you. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's what pushed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it. It changed though. It changed as I learned how to act and what acting was about, and and now uh, <laughs> one of the one of the great compliments that I got Saturday night was from. Uh, uh, the wife of, of a friend, a friend, a business associate. She said, "That was not you on the stage." Really? Yeah, I said that's that's a nice way of putting it, and I thank you because mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time making a whole new individual, other than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're successful, that's imagine that. Imagine the power. Oh yeah. Think about that. Yeah. To create. Other human beings inhabit other souls. Well, that's a great business. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If an actor, an actor, is doing things, I, I don't want to say right, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if people don't see Hal Linden up there, that's right. And they're seeing somebody else, and, and you totally forget about the person, the real person that's up there. That's they've true. really transformed themselves into you know another world. I mean, <laughs> that's a it's a great feeling when you do that. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, on the CD, is there a favorite tune that you like the best? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, I, you know, they all uh, are a product of one point or another in my life. You, yeah. I, li- yeah. I like, um, the, actually, one of my favorites is the opening cut, which is, uh, um, oh, God, what's the name of it? <laughs> 
You'd be so nice to come home to a jazz tune that yep. I wanted to do. Uh, very often, one of my favorite things of doing is playing with other singers, playing my clarinet. While they're singing, I play behind them and in the holes and play a little jazz, you know, mm -hmm. like a little duet between them. And I've done that with uh, Jerry Vale, with uh, Joe Williams, with uh, Peter Marshall, with... Uh, I, I can't begin to, to remember. I've done it with many, many uh, singers over the years, and I wanted to do one with myself. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the, the the lick or the scat version of "You'll Be So Nice to Come Home To," and at the end, we, it's played as a duet with, against myself. My, I, it's one of the favorites. I don't know, but yeah, my yeah. favorite. Now, when I, I was looking on your website, and there's a picture on there, but there's no caption of anything, you know, saying who it is. But it it, it looked like to me that you were playing the clarinet with Al Hurt. Oh yeah. And BB King, is that? Yes, am I correct that is with Al the people? Hurt and BB King. Yes. Okay. I thought that's who it was. Yeah. <laughs> that came from uh, what was the name of the show? It was a TV show, um, um, Touched by an Angel. Oh, okay, yeah. That came from a, an episode of Touched by an Angel in which I played a, a jazz club owner who eventually went to his great reward. <laughs> you could see I'm, uh, I don't know if I was saying makeup, I was very old, played a very old character. Uh, but uh, we got to, there was a big scene, the big reunion at the end of the I guess the club was closing, and B.B. King was there, and Al Hurt, and Al Jarreau, and mm -hmm. oh, they, they, they had got a lot of great jazz people, and, and we, I guess, were jamming while they were waiting to shoot the scene. Wow, that must have been amazing. Yes, it was <laughs> quite a great experience. Jeez, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, when I saw the picture, I said, boy, that looks like Al Hurt and B.B. King. <laughs> yes, that's who that is. Huh. Jeez. So when you finally got into acting, do you remember what your first acting job was? My first acting job, yes, uh, was uh, the Cape Cod Melody Tent uh, in the chorus. Mm -hmm. We did, it was uh, in 12 weeks, 12, 13 actually with the first week of rehearsal. In 13 weeks we did 10 full musicals. Wow. Yes. Jeez. And Thirteen weeks later, I had ten musicals under my belt. Ten. And, That's amazing. Uh, you, you don't do that. They don't do that anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was—I was fully immersed in the theater by the time I finished that gig. Huh? Jeez. That, that was a trial under fire. I'm sure. Just bang, yes, bang, you, bang. You and and you uh, you did them. Uh, the, uh, you rehearsed one musical by day and did another musical by night. You were rehearsing next week's musical. Jeez, while I could, you were doing last week's musical. I could never, <laughs> never do that. I couldn't remember everything. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how you learned. And yeah. You created characters in one week. And you had one week to, to hone it, and that's it. You were on to the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, a terrific experience. Yeah. While you were doing that, did you ever, or did anybody else ever make a mistake and go into their other character or anything? No, no. <laughs> no. 
No, I, I don't think I don't remember that. But I, that actually was a, uh, I remember seeing a, a sketch in a British review once, uh, which was about a repertory company mm-hmm. that did uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet in the afternoon and, and Macbeth at night. Wow. And the scene in the sketch was about Romeo at the, at the uh, uh, under the balcony. Mm-hmm. Calling to Juliet, yep. and unfortunately, she got mixed up and came out as Lady Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrific uh, interlocking of Shakespearean lines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> now, early in your career, I was looking through your, your credits here, and you were doing voiceovers for oh, yeah. horror movies or, or monster movies? Well, I did. Well, I mean, now you're doing, talking about two different things. One was, you have to understand, in order to survive in this business, it took me a long time before anybody knew who Hal Linden was. You must remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took a long time when I was just making a living trying to support a wife and four children. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I did was what they call looping. Back in the, uh, this would be in the early 60s, this was a time when there was, uh, when independent stations did not have shows of their own. Uh, in New York, there would be Channel 11, Channel 9, you know. Yeah. There, were, there was no Fox Network. There was no, uh, uh, what do you call it, C- CW Network, you know. Right. These were all independent. And they, they did local things, but they never had enough material. So what they did was they used to, uh, buy European B movies, mm-hmm. old you know French pictures, German pictures that were not good enough for uh, first run here in in America. Yeah. And we used to loop them into English. We did the English version, so we had in, in, in horror movies, Japanese. I did Mothra meets Godzilla. <laughs> Uh, you know, they were available in certain areas. They were available in theaters, but mostly they went to independent television. Ah, I see. And that was the uh, it was a it was a business. It was it wasn't a big paying business, but it paid my bills. Paid the bills. That's the main thing. Yeah. You know, that was that part of it. As for voiceover, I for for many years I was the voice of uh, many major commercials: uh, Pan Am, Pepsi Cola, Bayer Esprit. They're all. I was the voice of Nationwide Insurance for 22 years. Really? Wow. Yes. Oh. Way back when. Yeah. Yeah. And then Barney Miller. And Barney Miller. That's. I mean, it's such a huge show. And yeah. how did it come about that you even got approached for, or did, or did you try Acc- out for it? Or? Accidentally. Really? Yes. As 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 most of my life was. I, I tell you that uh, my Broadway debut came as the result of the Asian flu epidemic, and 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 Barney Miller came as the result of uh, Danny Arnold's children. Believe it or not, he was in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had written and was a, a, li- a line producer for a movie uh, that they were shooting in New York. And he was very busy as line producer. You're always on the set. You're always rewriting the scenes and whatnot. And his uh, his wife sent his kids to visit him over Christmas. 
And in order to keep the kid while he was working, he didn't have time for the kids. So he keep the kids busy, put him in a limo with a stage manager, and they put they, they did the, uh, the boat around long, around Manhattan, and they went to the garden for a Nick game or a hockey game or whatever. He just kept them busy. Sent them to the theater for matinees just to keep the kids busy. And the kids rebelled and said, no, they didn't want to go anymore. They wanted to stay with him. And the director that just overheard that and said, listen, we have a big company move today. We'll never be able to shoot another scene. So why don't you go with your kids and spend the afternoon with your kids? So he got in the limo. And they happened to be going to see the Rothschilds that day. Mm-hmm. And he happened to see me. He never sent me a note. He never came backstage. I never knew he existed until two years later when he was uh, doing Barney Miller. And uh, the networks gave him a list of all the possible actors they thought would play Barney Miller. He said, no, I saw this guy in New York. I'm going to use him. And that was that. Wow. Wow, indeed. Jeez. Yeah. Don't discount luck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't discount luck. Hmm. And, and it was such an amazing cast. Uh, yes. It just melded, right? You know, I mean, everybody just seemed to fit in, and, and it was just it's just, a, just a great cast. Uh, a great cast executing probably the best writing uh, on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, uh, you know, yes, we're very good. But we don't. We didn't write what we said. We didn't make it up. Yeah. yeah. Some very brilliant man sat down and wrote a script that we pretty much followed. We didn't uh, lib any funny lines. We did. We executed somebody else's creativity, mm-hmm. and uh, that's probably the uh, single reason for the success and the and the continuing success you go watch those things today oh yeah and they are just as brilliant as when we made them no. and they're not old hat some of the some of the subject matters may be uh old but 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 uh the, the humor still works and by the way announcement uh the entire collection uh which will be available on howlinden.net Mm-hmm. is coming out uh-huh. in a few months, I believe. Oh, well. The entire uh, series, uh, or every episode, 168, I forget how many. Yeah, 171 or something, I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Huh. Did they have you do any special uh, interviews or anything? Yes, for we, did a, we did a whole bit. And they're going to do a launch. Um, I don't know exactly when coming up. If I'm in town, I'll be there. Uh, but it, it will be available on uh, net. Oh, great. Good. And now, were you a close cast? Close. Close from a working standpoint. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, casts are funny things. Particularly, we were just talking about that. Well, we used to go into rehearsal with a play, for instance, in New York. You go into a four-weeks rehearsal in New York... You're on the road for eight, twelve weeks in the, in three cities around the country. You, you breakfast, dinner, you sleep together, you eat together, you you're tight, you 
you drink together, come into New York and the show folds, and that's it. You never see anybody anymore. Yes. Yeah. Because very quickly you're going to be in another show with another cast, and you're going to mm-hmm. spend your life with that cast. Uh, sometimes, you know, relationships that last on uh, beyond the show, but uh, the tendency is to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest I was with anyone in the cast of Arnie Mendel was with Danny Arnold, its creator. Yeah. We became close. Yeah. He was a dear friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny, of course, is no longer with us also. Yeah. <laughs> when you get my age, <laughs> a well, lot of people are no longer with us. Yeah. So with your other shows that you were on, like you were on uh, Blackie's Magic and, uh, uh, you know, Jack's Place, you mentioned that before, right. and The Boys Are Back. Boys are back. Those were a couple of shows that you were on. Now, on Blackie's Magic, you worked with... Uh, Harry Morgan. How was it working with him? He was a darling man. Darling man. He, uh, very low-key, he, he was just coming off the big success of MASH. And, right. And, yeah. But he was just, uh, you know, whatever worked, however was he, he could help, he was quite a darling man. That's, that's, that's good to hear, because, you know... Uh, Sometimes you hear where people can be That's right. <laughs> hard to work with and everything. Yeah. Well, listen, they said that about me, but I, uh, uh, it, it all depends on the situation. If there's, you know, the chemistry works, if everybody's working toward the same thing, then all your input is helpful. Yeah. It's when everybody's not working toward the same thing that it get a little touchy. Yeah. Because yeah. this one is protecting his behind, and this one is protecting his behind, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, you're at cross purposes. But if you if you're on the same line, actors are very helpful and and, and pretty good people. Yeah. Now, last year you uh, made an appearance on Hot in Cleveland. Uh huh. And how was it being back on stage on, on you know TV, TV. stage? Well, it was an interesting part too. I got to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Overbearing, uh, self-centered uh, actor you know, <laughs> of the theater. It's kind of I love to play, you know, way out characters. It helps. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. of course, it, it was great working with uh, Betty and the girls. Right. Yeah. 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 Have I'm trying to rack my brain here and figure out. Have you ever played? The bad guy seems so. Everything. Oh, yes. I, I'm always you thinking kidding? of you as the good guy. <laughs> oh yeah, but before Barney, I was pretty much always the bad guy. Oh really? Um, well, I've, I even did it after Barney. I played. Uh, let me see. Uh, I did a, a TV movie called The Colony, in which I was a real manipulative developer. Mm-hmm. I get shot at the end. I had a death scene. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was the uh, villain in uh, on Broadway with Melina McCoury in, in Ilya Darling, which was the musical version of uh, Never on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was the the villain in that. The uh, uh, I play the devil for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, how how <laughs> can't get worse than that? <laughs> how bad can you get? I play the devil in. Uh, uh, the Apple Tree on Broadway. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I did a lot of villains. Yeah, it? but we get so used to think. I mean, you know, of course, we think of you as Barney Miller, and you know, yeah. the nice guy. <laughs> I, 
I was always a nice villain, though. Yeah. A nice villain. Those are the ones you got to watch out for, though. Yes. <laughs> now, is it true that you were offered and turned down uh, the lead role in St. Elsewhere? Honestly, it never got beyond... Uh, St. Elsewhere started, I think, the year that Barney finished. Right, yeah. Same season. Mm-hmm. And I, I never got... All I wanted to do was relax for a while. I didn't know anything about the project. Uh, yes, we were approached to do. I don't know lead. I don't know. The, I don't. I never even got into which role. I have well, no yeah, idea. I mean, it, you know, when I say lead role, that show was made up of, uh, of you know many leads. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I was offered a role in St. Elsewhere, and uh, it was just right on on the heels of Barney. We weren't even off the air yet. I had to commit to it uh, uh, immediately, and and I had. Imagine I, I thought I would like to take some time, maybe do a feature film or mm-hmm. or a play or something, just to break the. I had just done eight years of right, of, yeah, you know, yeah, back to back. So I, we, we, I guess the assumption was, well, if that comes on on Tuesday, on Friday I'll have another one. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Has there ever been any any other roles that you've been offered and that I turned down? turned down? Um. The only other one that, oh yeah, but I probably should have turned down. You know, I, I turned down a lot of stuff that I didn't think was any good, and most of it did didn't turn out too well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only role that I, it's an interesting um, situation. I was actually off. I don't, I don't know about offered or you know whether it was on the table or it was go me see about it. But I was uh, in the uh, original Broadway musical of La Cage Folle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was offered the straight part. Uh-huh. And I remember my reaction was, if you offered me the other part, I would do it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, because that was the interesting part. Yeah. Was What's his name? Zizi, I think. I said, would love to have played that part. But I, that was already cast. Uh-huh. So I kind of passed on the uh, on, on the other role. Hmm. That, that's the only other time that I recall anything of that, you know, turned out to be something. Right. I, yeah. yeah. Huh. Most of the time it was uh, stuff I shouldn't have done and didn't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, you never know. If you had been in it, maybe it would have been a hit. Uh, what? Cause your foes. Oh, no, no, I mean, no, I mean uh, one of the oh, other ones. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, it's always hard to say. But to, but then again, I've been in a lot of failures that maybe uh, I shouldn't have been in. <laughs> so you, you you never know, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my problem is I'm always uh, lured by the role. Mm-hmm. That is, if the role is interesting and playable, I somehow pass too quickly over the property itself so i end up doing wonderful roles in plays that close mm-hmm. yeah you know, I, I made a career out of that you know yeah the well, 11 people who saw me do a, a certain role or you know remember it to this day right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um it's 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 difficult it's difficult to 
read a script and be able to say this is a well-written script that has a chance of success and and it's a good role. Yeah, you yeah. read a role, a role that really jumps out at you. You say, "Oh, I want to play this," and you ignore the fact that the script doesn't have merit or doesn't hold together or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, now, as far as um, the highlight of your career uh, so far. Um, on a personal side, not not a monetary or anything like that, but but for you personally, of all the roles you've played, is there one that's... Me, come on, don't ask me. I <laughs> First of all, I don't remember all the roles I've played. <laughs> uh, it was said of me, when I'm not near the play I love, I love the play I'm near. Right. Yeah, uh, I understand. Yeah, And uh, that's really the way it works. Um, right now, I'm into uh, Golden Pond. Yeah. You know, I've been working on it, and you, you put everything into it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are you playing the Henry Fonda role? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, actually, the Tom Aldrich Tom role. Tom Aldrich, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and uh, there's a distinction. The the, the, the motion picture of, uh, of Golden Pond was certainly rewritten, A, to accommodate uh, Henry Fonda and, and Catherine Hepburn, but B, to... To accommodate a, a lake, had a lake with boats, and, right? You know, so yeah. that it's a very different script. Same basic story, yeah, but a very different script and a different uh, sensibility to it. It yeah. was uh, remember it was done in in uh, when motion pictures were basically had to be totally realistic. Mm-hmm. We didn't have outrageous pictures in those days. Yeah, yeah. so uh, theatricality. Is very hard to squeeze into a cinematic yeah. uh, effort, uh, whereas when you're on stage, you can use theatricality a lot more easily. So it's a very different role. Different, different, it, well, I shouldn't say that. It's not a different role. It's a different take right. on the role. Yeah. Now, it was a quite wonderful movie. Oh yeah. For, but something you could never do on the stage. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, and vice versa. This, the play is, you know, much more, again, for us, more theatrical. And, and so be it. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, quite honestly, it's a lot funnier than the movie ever yeah. was. Yeah. The movie was poignant and uh, heart-rending. Uh, hopefully our version is uh, belly laughs. Well, so pe- hope. People still have uh, the month of August to catch you, you in Burbank, it, right? It is. It is a really nice, good production and 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 funny. Yeah, very funny. A lot of laughs. Great. I'd like to finish up with just a couple questions, if it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this takes us away from everything we've talked about. Um, it's basically a little more personal thing. What's your favorite TV shows of all time? What do you enjoy watching? Oh my lord! Oh. Ooh, I'm going to get in trouble with the TV business. <laughs> um, I, I can't say I'm not a TV watcher because I am a TV watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- most TV that I watch is either sports or news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a. a, a I don't have too many shows where I got to watch. I got to be home on Tuesday night to watch. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, you know, I'll check it out and see, you know, watch a little bit of that or watch a little bit of that. But I'll, uh, generally speaking, I'll be on the uh, news channels or the 
or the sports channels. Huh. Uh, there is, that is not to say that there's not very good television around. Mm-hmm. I enjoy The Good Wife. Yep. I enjoy, uh, you know, things like Seinfeld and, and mm-hmm. Friends. I thought it was were very well done shows. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm not nuts about, uh, you know, the, the, the mysteries that, that you wrap up in, in 60 Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about the reality things where the women no, are crabbing at each other all day? Zero, zero. <laughs> I know I don't blame you. <laughs> well, for one reason, for, well, for a couple of reasons. One, how to put this? <laughs> First of all, they're not real. Right, I know. <laughs> they're not real. That's that's the, the that's the, a reality show that's not real. I, that, that's a contradiction. In right. Yeah. I mean, you're. You know, you have people running around the world in a great race, and you know there's a film crew that's got to stop. We got to set up the shot. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, people don't realize it, but reality shows are not. Real. I love it when they they open the door. And they act surprised that somebody's there. Yes. Yet there's a camera behind them. You know, it's of like, course. where did yeah, that camera yeah. come from? <laughs> exactly. So that's my first uh, criticism of reality shows. Mm-hmm. And the second criticism is that they're, uh, one of the things that we can do in film, in television, is prepare. Is prepare something and do it well. Right. Yeah. So if you do it off the cuff, it's going to be... Hit and miss. Sometimes it'll it'll be good. Sometimes it won't be good. Uh, you know, and just because it's pre- the only its only value would be if it were real. And right. We know it's not real. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm a no. I have no no truck with it at all. Yeah. Well, yeah, final question is: What's your favorite movies of all time? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Any Cary Grant, ah, Catherine yeah. Hepburn picture, mm-hmm. Spencer Tracy, yep. any one of those. Yeah. Uh, Citizen Kane, of course. Mm-hmm. Tootsie. I love Tootsie. Funny movie. Yes, very funny. Uh, wonderful premise and wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything written by Larry Gelbart? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's I've seen some terrific movies. I loved Social Network last year. Last year, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was a wonderfully made movie. Yeah, yeah. I like well-made movies. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm a terrible critic <laughs> because I when I when I see the seams, when I see the, the the little lies that they had to put in in order to get to them, you know, that turns me off. And, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I walk out of a out of a movie saying, "Hey, that was pretty good," I'll tell you what I saw that was pretty good. It was very good. Was the uh, and I don't know it, it disappeared. They did a concert version of Company uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So I saw it was in the theater for a weekend. That was it. Wow. Why I don't know why it disappeared. I don't know. It was a terrific version. Huh. Very well done. Yeah. Very terrific. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I don't. Other than that, I haven't seen too many good pictures. Yeah. Did I okay. see that was pretty good recently? Oh, I like the this is the first Woody Allen picture I liked. Uh, uh, Midnight in Paris. Oh, Midnight. Yeah, well, I've heard a lot of good things yeah. about that one. Uh, normally, 
he loses me early on. <laughs> uh, he's funny, but he loses me early. But the movies never held together as movies, you know. They mm -hmm. were just elongated sketches. Or, yep. But uh, this one is an interesting premise and, and very well done. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hal, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, this has been fascinating to listen to you, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us. A pleasure, sir. Hal Linden, Barney Miller to millions of us. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. It was his day off, and he took the time, and I appreciate that very, very much. If you get a chance, check out his new CD. And, um, you know, it's got some great songs on there. And uh, if you like big band music, uh, they got some Billy Joel, some Michael Jackson, all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a very uh, interesting album. It's, it's very good and everything. So check it out. And also, of course, like he's told us, uh, that uh, the complete series of Barney Miller is going to be coming out on DVD. And you can check that out. And when it comes out, you can get it right there at um, hallinden.net. So uh, we have a link right now at the uh, front page of On Screen and Beyond with a picture of Hal up there. And you can click it and go right to his website and check it out. And uh, once again, I want to thank him so much. Appreciate him taking the time. And uh, that's about it. Looks like we have a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond, the 175th episode. Boy, time is just flying by. And... That's about it. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh -huh.